No one likes to be bossed around. No one really likes to be bossed around. I think that's fair to say, right? Even those of us who can sometimes tend to be the one bossing others around or who see the need once in a while for some sort of boss-like person, even we can admit that no one really likes to be bossed around. I've had a number of bosses throughout my working years and there were some I really appreciated and some I couldn't get away from fast enough. During the four years that I was in college, I worked for my family's church during the summers doing landscaping and maintenance work. And my boss there was a man named George who oversaw the entire maintenance department. This church also had a school attached to it, so there was quite a bit of maintenance work to be done. And George was a very, very good man. He was kind and thoughtful, and he considered his job of caring for the church building as part of a ministry in serving God. But George was also a bossy boss of the highest degree. He ruled over his domain with an iron fist, and nothing escaped George's watchful eye. George would come by while I was painting one of the classrooms, and he would get down on the floor and up on a ladder to make sure that I hadn't missed a single spot. And if I had, he made sure to tell me exactly where it was and what I needed to do. When I mowed a field, he would walk through afterwards, and if there was so much as one blade of grass a bit too tall, I knew he would send me out to correct this dire mistake. One of my absolutely favorite stories about George was when another younger guy like myself had been tasked with mowing a courtyard in between some of the buildings. We couldn't use the weed trimmer in this area because George was worried it would kick up rocks and break a window, which was reasonable. But what George did was he gave this poor kid a pair of scissors and told him to go around the entire courtyard cutting the grass that the mower couldn't reach on his hands and knees with that pair of scissors. So I think I can say on good authority that no one likes to be bossed around. And of course, I know this is a two-way street, even though I hate to be bossed around, that doesn't stop me from, from time to time having strong, one might say, bossy opinions on certain issues, such as the correct way to load a dishwasher for maximum efficiency. My dear patient wife will attest that more than once I have rearranged the entire dishwasher after she loaded it because I just knew I could fit one more coffee mug in there if I got everything perfect. But even in those moments when I'm being a little bossy myself, even then, I know that nobody really likes to be bossed around. Which means that when I read our psalm for this week, I ran into a sort of problem. The psalm starts out nice enough. O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. You have set your glory above the heavens. When I look at the heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars that you have established, what are human beings that you are mindful of them, mortals that you care for them? So far, so good, right? This is all wonderful stuff. The psalmist is reminding us that all creation is God's loving handiwork. 
The psalmist is expressing wonder at the fact that God cares for us, we humans, we, we mortals, even in the midst of the huge world we live in. This is the kind of thing that I love to read about in the Bible. It reminds us that we are all made in the image of God. It reminds us that God's love for us is unconditional and constant. But then I kept reading and the alarm bells started to go off in my brain. Verse 6 says this. You have given them, you have given humankind dominion over the works of your hands. You have put all things under their feet, all sheep and oxen, the beasts of the field, the birds of the air, the fish of the sea, whatever passes along the paths of the seas. This is not good, my friends. The alarm bells are blaring. The red flags are waving. We've got a serious problem here. You have given them dominion over the works of your hands. You have put all things under their feet. I don't know about you, but this sounds an awful lot like being bossed around. The very thing we cannot stand. I'm having flashbacks to sweet Mr. George pointing his finger at a spot I missed on the wall. I'm having flashbacks to him with a ruler measuring the grass to make sure it was low enough but not too low. This dominion thing sounds like the bossiest kind of boss imaginable. And we all know that no one likes to be bossed around. And I have to confess that the alarm bells go even deeper for me here, more than just my own experience with a micromanaging boss or two. And it goes deeper even than just this psalm that we read today. In fact, the psalmist is really just quoting here from the book of Genesis. As you remember, in Genesis, we find our creation stories of how God made the heavens and the earth and even us, humankind, And in the very first part of this story, in Genesis chapter 1, God says these words to the first human beings. Be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the fowl of the air, over every living thing that moves upon the earth. This word in Hebrew that is translated as dominion, It's all over Genesis, and the real reason those alarm bells were ringing for me is because verses like this in Psalm 8 and in Genesis 1, they have been used to do some incredible harm over the years. This word dominion, it means to rule over or reign over, to control or to master And for centuries, some Christians have been quoting these verses, claiming that we have dominion over the earth as we destroy each other, as we destroy our very planet. In 1493, the Pope quoted these verses about having dominion over the earth to justify something called the Doctrine of Discovery a document that gave moral and legal license for Christian rulers to discover whatever lands they desired and to kill, enslave, and dispossess their inhabitants. The doctrine of discovery was the beginning of the genocide and enslavement of peoples all around the world, an unfathomable amount of death and suffering. 
and a piece of paper written by a pope 500 years ago. It might seem like ancient history, but this doctrine of discovery is still being cited quite recently here in the United States. A writer by the name of Paul Kivel describes how, according to Chief Justice Thurgood Marshall, the United States, upon winning its independence in 1776, became a successor nation to the right of discovery and acquired the power of dominion from Great Britain. Therefore, all Native American land claims were null and void. Even more recently, in 2005, Supreme Court Justice Ruth Bader Ginsburg cited the doctrine of discovery in rejecting land claims by the Oneidas people, one of the six nations of the Howden Osani. It gets even worse. In recent decades, a certain sect of American Christians have developed what they call dominion theology. Dominion theology cites these very verses and it is explicitly opposed to the separation of church and state. It's explicitly opposed to freedom of religion. In fact, its proponents believe that their calling is to gain control of the government and legislate their version of Christianity over the entire nation. Most disturbingly, this is not just a fringe movement, but one that has adherence at every level of our government. So maybe now those alarm bells are going off for you too when we read that God has given us dominion over all the earth. None of us like to be bossed around, and even more, I hope and pray that we can all agree that the harm done by people quoting these verses is entirely contrary to the gospel of Jesus Christ, the gospel of freedom and peace and abundant life. So what are we to do with this troublesome verse in the middle of that beautiful psalm? We could just cut it out. I could have told Cheryl, when we get to verse 6, just skip right over it until we get to verse 9. That would have made things much easier, right? I could have just preached about the nice parts of that psalm that say how much God loves us. But that also would have meant that we missed something crucial here. Because ultimately, Psalm 8 and Genesis 1, they are right. We human beings do have dominion over the earth, over the animals, the birds, and the fish. Whether we say it's by God's design or by evolution or by some combination of the two, we have the intelligence and the capability to rule over, to control, to govern the earth. At times, we even have the capability to rule over each other, sometimes for better and sometimes for much worse. But these are not the only two times that this word dominion is used in the Bible. In 1 Chronicles chapter 29, we find that very same word in a hymn of praise that David sings to God, which reads like this, Praise be to you, Lord, for everything in heaven and earth is yours. Yours, Lord, is the kingdom. You are exalted as head over all. Wealth and honor come from you. You are the ruler of all things. In your hands are strength and power to exalt 
and give strength to all. Did you catch that? They translate the word a little differently into English here, but in Hebrew, it's the same word as Psalm 8 or Genesis 1. You are the ruler of all things. You have dominion over all things. God does have dominion over all things. So I wonder today, what if God could be our guide, our model for what it means to have dominion? Because the dominion of God over all creation, it looks quite different from the dominion we humans have displayed throughout history. God is anything but a bossy micromanager. In fact, sometimes I wish God would be a little more hands-on in the midst of wars and pandemics or just my own personal challenges. Sometimes I wish God would tell me exactly what to do or how to fix all of our problems. But that kind of dominion, a coercive, dominating, controlling dominion, is not in the character of our God. Today on Trinity Sunday, it's especially worth noting that our doctrine of the Trinity, one of the core doctrines of Christianity, it speaks to a God whose very nature is relational and non-hierarchical. This mystery of our faith, our three-in-one God, points us to a God of equality and self-giving. We don't believe that the Son is greater than the Father or that the Spirit rules over the Son. Instead, we believe that the three persons of the Trinity are co-equal. Many of our creeds attest to this. Jesus speaks to this same truth in our Gospel reading today when he says, all that the Father has is mine. The Apostle Paul references this too in his letter to the Romans that we heard today, describing how peace and hope and love flow to us in equal measure from God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. We do have dominion, but sadly far too often we use that dominion to control each other, to kill and exploit our planet until our ecosystem is now on the verge of total collapse. But God offers us a much different example of how to exercise dominion. We find the ultimate example of God's relational, loving, self-giving dominion in Jesus Christ. God did not send the Son, the second person of the Trinity, to come as a warrior. Jesus didn't come as a ruler who would lord over the earth. Jesus didn't come to be a wealthy man who would amass riches upon riches. No, Jesus came as a relatively poor man who spent his days with fishermen Beggars and widows without two cents to their name. Jesus didn't wear a crown of gold and jewels as he ordered his subjects around. He wore a crown of thorns as the Roman Empire put him to death for causing too much trouble. Jesus didn't carry a sword or a gun or a whip as he conquered and enslaved his enemies. No, Jesus' hands were entirely empty as they were nailed to the cross. I believe Jesus, as one person of our Holy Trinity, has dominion over all creation. 
But he came to walk and to live among us, not to take, but to give. Not to rule, but to serve. To give us the gift of new life as he rose from the dead. To bring healing to a world full of pain. To give us forgiveness and freedom and to show us a better way to live. I believe this is the kind of dominion we are called to embody. And I believe this is the kind of dominion that God truly wants us to understand when we read Psalm 8 or Genesis 1. Dominion does not mean the freedom to do whatever we please, to kill, exploit, and destroy. Dominion is a responsibility to care for, to nurture, and to give, just as God does for us. Dominion is not the freedom to do whatever we please. Dominion is the responsibility to care. So if we find ourselves ruling over the earth and its animals, its fish, and its birds, and its very ecosystem, how could we show that same kind of care that God shows for us? When we hold positions of power over our fellow human beings, then too, could we give of ourselves and make sacrifices in the way of Jesus Christ? No one likes to be bossed around. I stick by my statement from earlier. Nobody likes to be bossed around, and I believe our psalmist knew this. Even though that statement that we have dominion over the earth can be jarring based on the tragic history of its usage, when we look deeper, we see that God never calls us to conquer or dominate. But instead, our three-in-one God, our trinity of co-equals, shows us what true dominion means. A relational life of care and freedom and self-giving. My prayer is that we would seek to live this life today and every day in the name of our holy and blessed Trinity, one God, now and forever. Amen.